title of my message today is, uh, is going to be this, how can you not see or can you not see? And uh, the, the idea behind it, I'm going to share in just a minute, but can you not see? I put on my social media yesterday, like, how is the church missing this by so much? Not even necessarily our church, but I think the church, capital C, like, how are we missing it? How are we not seeing this? So I'm going to talk about it here in just a minute, but, but the idea kind of comes from like this. Have you ever told your kids, if you have kids or maybe even grandkids, and you tell your kids something, you're like, hey, you need to go do that. And you ask them to maybe pick up something or move something or get something. You're like, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. You're like, right there. Where? Where is it? I don't know. Right there. Oh, yeah. And I just wonder if God is looking down on pandemic and all the things we're facing and all the unrest and all the divide and all the things. And God is saying, like, hey, you have an opportunity. We're like, what? Where? I don't see it. He's like, right there. And the church is like, oh, I don't know. I don't see it. And so today, I hope we can leave here with our eyes opened. Open up our eyes to, like, God's got something for us. You're not cursed because you live in 2020. You're blessed because you live in 2020. Like one person, the rest still like I don't know, Pastor. Like I don't. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you're born for such a time as this. I've been preaching it for weeks. Open your eyes. Can't you see that God is going to use you and He's going to use us, and it's going to be great? Can I get an amen today? But uh, before we jump into that, I get to give you the awesome uh, news of what we're going to be doing for our legacy offering this year. Uh, each year, as a church, we sacrifice and we set aside one time a year. Uh, where we come together as a church for what we call our miracle offering, and we call it our legacy miracle offering. We want to do something that outlives our life. And so each year as a church, we, we unite together behind a cause, and the cause is always something sort of bigger and outside of ourselves. It never goes toward, toward us or a salary or anything like that. It's like, okay, God, how do you want to stretch us and expand us and, um, and do something that, that we can give out and, and reach out? And so each year we do that. Part of the reason we do that is because we as a church don't always want to be asking for money. I grew up in church and sometimes associated with the pastor or a church. Is, oh, all the church wants is my money. All the church wants is my money. And so I understand that. You know, each week, oh, don't forget, this is the women's bake thing because they need money. Oh, next week is the youth car wash because they need more money. All you keep hearing is money, money, money. And uh, as a church, we just say, hey, what if we concentrated our effort to this one big time each year? Uh, we do one big one every single year at the end of the year. And we just believe for God's best and his miraculous. And how I many know if you've been with us, God comes through every year in miraculous ways. Can I get an amen today? And so I want to talk to you about what that's going to be this year. Now, some of you are saying, hold on, Pastor, that last year we raised a whole bunch of money to buy a bus and, uh, and you haven't seen the bus. And it's because you've got to see it by faith. It's invisible. <laughs> Uh, but as many of you know, uh, each, we had great, great causes. Each year, uh, I think since the first year of our church, it might have, we might have started doing this the second year of our church, um, we've done all different things. We were one service as a church, and we believed God it was time to go for two services. And so we sent a mailer out to our community as a part of our Legacy Miracle offering, and we renovated some rooms, and we added more space, and we believed God was going to send us people, and he did. Many of you are a result of it. We were like, are people going to come to the second service? I don't know. What should we? And the second service was full. God filled it. Like, it was amazing what God did. And the outreach center, uh, we got a huge outreach center on that side of the facility. And so we're able to feed families. All that came because you stretched your muscle of sacrifice and offering. And we were able to 
renovate and build and transform and launch our outreach center. And all sorts of great things have come through that. And um, there was a year where we were able in one year to double all of our kids' space. Up in our kids' spaces, we just had, we had kids everywhere. I, 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 think, uh, I think people drop off kids here on Sunday mornings because we just have so many kids. And so, uh, and so we said, Lord, we, we really need to expand this. We want this to be excellent and comfortable for the kids. And so, again, it was a huge number that we needed to renovate it. But, again, we all came together, and God did the miraculous, and we were able to double our kids' space. So all kinds of great testimonies come out of this when we all sacrificially give above and beyond a tithe, uh, what we call an offering, and uh, and miracles happen from it. It's not just like a a small little cute campaign. No, we believe we're walking in the miraculous. And so last year, uh, I got came before you, and I, of course, this was December, the end of the year, and we casted the vision to 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 buy a bus. We believed that uh, through our relationships with Kids Hope and some of the other uh, ministries we're involved in, we thought, how great would it be if we could we could send out a bus and we could pick up people and bring them into the services. And um, it was kind of in between like a church van and a bus bus. Um, it's just poor of me to say it this way, but you'll get it. Uh, you know, it's like those old folks home buses is really what we were going for, like those shuttle buses. And, uh, and so we, we cast the vision to you. We said, you know, we want to vinyl wrap it and we want to have like TVs in it. So it's, it's fun for the kids as they get on it and come to church. And so we cast the vision for about 80000 It was what it cost to get it all set up and, and all the operations. And we raised about 60000 of that. And so it kind of put us on pause. And this was, again, the end of the year. And, uh, and so January hit, and, and we, we came up just a little short. For the first time ever in a miracle offering, we came up short of our goal. Usually God just blows way past it. So we came up a little short, so it kind of put us on pause. And I'm here today to say, thank God it put us on pause because the coronavirus was just making its way on the scene. And could you imagine how frustrated I would be as a leader if we bought a $80,000 bus that we may just sit in the parking lot for whatever it is now, nine months, 12 months, 12 years, whatever it feels like. <laughs> but but so, so God knew what he was doing. And, and, and so uh, I'm grateful for the way that he led us in that. And so those of you say, well, pastor, that was really on your heart to do. We're going to have a bus. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to have a bus. We're going to have buses. And, and then we're going to get planes. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that preacher. I'm not that preacher. Uh, but uh, oh, I got some jokes in there. I'm going to hold back. But, uh, but I'm, believing, I'm believing that that's in our future, and we're going to be able to go and reach and connect with people. But now you're saying, hold on, Pastor. You're asking for another legacy miracle offering. Why don't we just use the money that we did last year? Because here's why. The heart behind and the reason that we do the Legacy Miracle Offerings is because it is a muscle, it is a heart check that we put in our lives every year. Uh, I want to go above the tithe, God. I want to give a sacrificial offering, Lord. I, I believe that you're calling us to do more. And, uh, and so I want to explain it like this. Uh, pastor Robert Morris, who we've done a few of his series, he's the pastor of uh, Gateway Church in Texas. He wrote a book called The Blessed Life and Beyond Blessed. And he points out in scripture that there's three kinds of giving. There's a tithe, which is 10% of your income. I believe that a tithe is in the New Testament and God still calls us to give 10% uh, of our income. So there's a tithe, then there's an offering. That's a sacrificial offering. So an offering is above the tithe. That might be you walking across the grocery store and saying, hey, God put it on my heart to give you $50, $100, whatever he leaves. That'd be an offering. It doesn't necessarily have to come into the church, but it's sacrificial giving and offering. He also talks about in scripture, there's extravagant gifts where somebody gives an extravagant amount of money because the Lord has called them to. And I'll never get up here and say, today is extravagant gift Sunday. Like I will never abuse. Are you with me? 
uh, any of these things. I'm just showing you that there's these kinds of giving in Scripture, and I believe you know, that, that they're pictures for us to follow. And so in our Legacy Miracle offerings, we always see offering, an offering, and we even see extravagant gifts. It's whatever God leads you to do. And so what the Legacy Miracle offering does is it helps us, again, continue to stretch this habit and this muscle. And so as much as I would love to be able to tell you what we are going to do with the $60,000, uh, we're, we're, we're not going to do it. I'm going to tell you that we're going to use it in 2021. It won't quite be for a bus yet because we're still not quite out of everything. But I can't wait to tell you how we're going to use that. And the good thing about it is you get to be an active part of it. And so a couple great ideas that are going to come. I wish I could tell you now, but I can't. The only part they're allowing me to tell you now is what we're doing for this year's legacy offering. Everybody say, I'm ready. Oh, you're not ready. Everybody say, I'm ready. So we're believing for this year's Legacy Miracle Offering. So you have, you have 11 days left to give into this as the Lord leads you to. But how I many you know God has put into our lives such an incredible ministry and opportunity called Love for a Child? One more time. Can I get an amen? And so for those of you that don't know, about, yeah, give it up for Love for a Child. Yeah. Those of you who don't know about Love for a Child, I know we have a lot of new families with us. Love for a Child is an incredible, and I won't be able to do justice talking about it right in this minute, but the good news for you is next week they're going to be with us. Uh, Joseph Ali, the founder, and, and some of the team are going to be with us in person to talk about the way that the Lord has led Love for a Child even through the pandemic. Do you know uh, they're faith-based, they're Christian, they're Bible-believing? Do you know that they were the only foster care camp to still host a camp in 2020? Give it up to God for that. So they're taking ground, they're making progress, uh, but I was on the phone with Savali this week, and he's telling me the stories of things that happened just in 2020. Some of you are like, oh, we've already heard them talk, we know about the ministry. No, 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 no. you need to hear how God has led them and taken care of them in 2020. It's amazing. And uh, some of the stories he told me are also just so heart-wrenching. I'm sitting here on the phone being like, bro, like, I don't know if you can say that next week. That is rough. That's really tough. But I'm also so grateful that we're getting in position to make sure that stuff comes to an end. Can I get an amen? And so this camp is uh, incredible. They, they take kids in the foster care system, kids abused, neglected, forgotten, and they just love on them for an entire week. They tell them about God and they build up their faith. And not only is it a one-week camp that's incredible, uh, but then all throughout the year they partner with these kids and they sow into them and they mentor them. And they see real change in each kid's and family's life. And so we've partnered with them. We've connected with them. Many of you know that. And, uh, and, and, we're, and we're launching the second ever. I know that's the wrong way to say that. But they have a camp on the east side in Detroit where they're founded. But we are bringing one to the west side of Michigan. Uh, started just, you know, probably half a year ago. Uh, yeah, give it up. Give it up. Uh, Mel back here, everybody wave, uh, Mel's back here, and uh, she has come on board as the director of that for West Michigan, and um, in a full leap of faith. I mean, there's no promises, there's no guarantees, there's no structure for it yet in the sense of uh, livelihood and, and those things, and so they're going out in faith, believing for a second camp, and they're going to raise the money, and they're going to have the resources, and so they're meeting with people, and they're setting all this stuff up, and so it's our time as a church to come in and give them a boost. Can I get an Amen. And, uh, and so we're going to do that as a church. And, uh, and a couple things I want to say you know, about it is uh, we believe in this time uh, that God has called them along our side and, and we're called to be a part of them. And so this miracle offering, think about this. I would love for the testimony of this to be, man, our legacy miracle offering was so great that they have the entire year's budget worth of camp just already in the bank so that they can focus on kids. Yeah. Come on. 
minister. The focus won't be like, oh, we got to fundraise this. We got to. They can just come in and love and make a difference. And um, so, an incredible camp. They'll be with us next week. I, I don't want you to miss it. I want you to hear about it. And um, here's what I said uh, in their summit. Some of you came to this summit uh, where they kind of talked about what it was going to look like. Here's the deal. Uh, when Joe shared his vision, he said, oh, I'd really love to launch another camp on the west side, have one on the east side and the west side. And then I said, and on the north side and on the south side, and we're not going to just have one camp. We're going to have two camps and then hundreds of camps, and then we're going to buy Disney World and have camp all year round. Can I get, <laughs> I'm always plotting to take over Disney World somehow. That's like my goal. But uh, and so that's it, guys. It's not just we want a second camp. We want this thing to take off. We don't want just one week a year where we're able to bless kids. We want it all year round. Could you imagine if love for a child blanking the nation into the world and kids were being sent all year round to experience the love of God like they've never had before? You get to be on the ground floor of it. You get to sow a seed into it. I, begin, I believe this is the infancy stages of what God is going to make a giant thing in our nation. One more good amen. All right, so I'm going to speak to you, though, about uh, quickly, and then we'll jump into a sermon part of it. But if you're sitting here today and you say, oh, okay, here's a pastor talking about money. Why would I give a offering, a sacrificial offering? Why would I give that? I have hesitancy about how churches use money. I get that. Growing up as a church kid, I've seen money used poorly in churches. I've seen it abused. Uh, it doesn't take long to see uh, scandal happening in churches and things being uh, used incorrectly. So I just want to speak to maybe the skeptic here who's saying, oh, should I do it? I just want to be able to show you uh, that I believe this place and love for a child in this church is good ground. I believe that we've stewarded the ground well, that we'll be able to produce good fruit. And one of the reasons uh, that makes me confident to say that is not because of my leadership ability or anything like that, but I believe there's some principles that God showed us that I believe we've kept, and it allows God to honor those principles. So I want to show them to you, uh, and then we'll jump into some sermon stuff. But um, we, as a church, we planted in 2014. We, we, my wife and I, we moved back here, and, uh, and we planted right here in Zealand. And uh, one of the ways we planted was through this organization called ARC. I know many of you know this, uh, but those of you that are new, uh, ARC is a church planting organization. They don't control you. They don't tell you what to do. They instead coach you and lead you and kind of give you advice about what it looks, to, looks like to plant a healthy church. And so we jumped into their processes and, and used their wisdom and guidance. And one of the things that they spent a lot of research on was looking at what is healthy church finances and church government and church leadership. And they came up with this determination, which we wrote into our bylaws. We, we said, look, we so want to make sure that this is stewarded well and this is good ground, that we're literally applying this into our bylaws. And we've, we've led this way ever since. And so here's how it works for us. We as a church can only spend 35% of our income, what comes into the church, only 35% of it can be spent on staff or salaries. Many churches mess up because they go, oh, if we could just hire the dream team. Oh, that person is so talented. We should, we should hire them and we should give them what they want. And, and, and they, they spend way too much of their income on salaries, then they have no money to minister to people. Well, if we just get the dream team, we'll be able to reach so many people. And then they don't and they're stuck. The national average of staff salaries in a church runs in about the 50% range. We, we and the, the data is saying 35% is a healthy margin, so we wrote that in. And can I tell you this? Since we've put that in play, anytime we've ever had the need to hire somebody, God always grows our church financially in a way that we're able to make the hire. Isn't that amazing how that works? Uh, the other thing here is facility. 35% 
uh, of, our, of our income can be spent on facility. You see the same error. Maybe some of you grew up in church and saw this. You were a part of a church that said, oh, if we just build a building, if we just do the expansion, if we just buy that building, or if we just do this and we build this, then the people will come. And so they spend all of this money and all this budget portion goes on a facility and then no people come and then they're house poor. Sort of the field of dreams thing. Like if we just build it, they will come and then they don't and you're just stuck with this big empty building. And so the national average is again, about 50% of the average churches spend about 50% of their income on their facility, whether rent or purchased and, uh, and it's out of balance. We locked in at 35%. I'm telling you guys, it's the same thing. God honors these principles we've kept. Anytime we've needed to expand here, oh, we need some more space. We'd like to get that room. Wouldn't you know that God increased our income to the point that we could fit in our 35%? Why? Because God honors good stewardship. Can I get an amen? And uh, another one is this. So 35% on staff, 35% uh, on facility or, or your rent. 10% of what we bring in as a church, we tithe. Uh, every 10%, we come in, we actually do more than that, but 10% of what comes in, we automatically tithe. Many churches nowadays, sadly, have fallen into this, well, you know, if we do a Facebook marketing, that's like missional, that's trying to reach people, so that counts in our mission budget or our tithe budget. Oh, those flags you see out there, those draw people in, so we'll count those as missional. And they start, you know, gray, I, I sit in the conferences and I, I sit in the webinars that say, oh, you should use this much for this and this and this to reach people. That's not of God. Can I get an amen today? We believe in sowing back into church planting, and we do, in missions, which we do. We wrote another check this week to a missionary who hasn't literally been able to go to his mission field since the lockdown. Can you imagine that, being a missionary who can't go and check on his people? And so we're sowing seeds. And Why? Because we as a church, we believe in tithing. If we believe that we're called to tithe as individuals, I believe a church is called to tithe. Can I get an amen? And so what's cool for you and me is every time we tithe, your tithe gets tithed again. You're like double blessing. You didn't even know it. So you're cheaters is what you're doing. And then what remains, which is our 20%, the 20% of our budget uh, gets spent on operations. So all the things that we buy and use to, to do uh, facilities, so cleaning supplies and printer paper and all the stuff that we put in all the different places, um, that is 20% of our operation. So I'm just here to tell you this. If you're considering and you're praying, maybe you're new here, hey, is this a good ground for me to sow into? I'm just here not patting myself on the back. I'm here to tell you that God says when you're faithful with little, he'll give you more. He'll increase you. And I'm telling you, a seed sown in this ground, I believe God will bless. Can I get an amen today? And so this love for a child camp, uh, I believe when you sow into this, it has blessing all over it. And I believe that there's miracles that are going to take place all over it. But we do this because God calls us to stretch our faith. I believe that you should live your life and the church should live its life in a way that faith is required. If you're just going on cruise control and everything's predictable and easy and you can equate it all, that's not how God called us to live. God called us to put ourselves in impossible territories so that he can show up and do the miraculous. I love this thought. Impossible is where God starts, and miracles are what God does. So we want the miraculous of God. we got to find impossible territories. How are we going to launch a whole bunch of camps? How are we going to do it on west side, north side, east side, all these sides? How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to put ourselves in the impossible territories so God can step in and do the miraculous. 
The decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. We believe this as a church, that the scripture says we're living epistles. We are telling with our lives the stories of God. Our church is called Vertical Church, but our website is Vertical Story. We live to tell and give glory and tell the story of God's goodness in our lives. And so the decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. What kind of stories are we telling? Churches that make an impact are more focused on putting boots on the streets than butts in the seats. Can I get an amen today? I love it that you're here, and I love it that we're full, and that's important, but this isn't everything. As a matter of fact, this morning does not give us a success check mark. What gives us a success check mark is what you do when you leave here. Can I get amen? What you do when you leave here. What are we doing out on the streets? What are we doing in the community? What are we doing in foster care camps? What are we doing out in the world? Because God has not just called us to be spectators of a message. He's called us to be stories in his message. I thought about it like this. Our goal for us isn't even to just live our best life. Some preachers now are trying to tell you, live your best life now. That's not even the purpose. I'm so glad this statement is gone. But you remember YOLO? You only live once. You only live once. That's not even biblical. I believe our life is this, is to create something in this life that will last forever. What are you doing with your life and your resources, your money, your time, your treasure? What are you doing now? What are you creating that will outlast your life? What we build in our name doesn't last forever. What we build in his name does. That's why it's called legacy. That's why it's outlive your life. What can we do to be able to create something that will change lives and change history forever? Uh, My story I want to read to you is in John chapter 4. Some of you are going to love this and hate this, but John chapter 4, we're going to turn to it in just a minute, but it's the story where Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well, and the story says that uh, before they get to the well, uh, before Jesus takes a break, they were walking in the miraculous. The disciples are with Jesus. They're spending time ministering to people. It's It's this really high moment, and then the scripture says that Jesus which I'm going to give you a little nugget here. Jesus says, hey, I'm tired. You guys go on ahead. I'm going to take a break here at the well, which Jesus, who is God, even embraced a limit at some point. How much more so should you learn to say no to some things? How much more so should you make sure you got margin in your life? Well, pastor, I don't like that. You're telling me that he had limitations? No, he had priorities. He understood margin. And that's just a a freebie for later. But so he takes a break. And so they have all this high moment. He says, hey, I'm going to take a break. The disciples go ahead into town, and he's hanging out there in John chapter 4. And the scripture says uh, when he's at the well, he speaks to a Samaritan woman. This is where the drama and the controversy begins to lay in. You need to understand this about the story. Jesus, especially Jesus, but also a Jew or even a man at this time, should not have been talking to a woman. As a matter of fact, they would have thought that women were lesser or less than men. I don't talk to them. They're, they're not equal to man. Isn't it funny how Jesus shows up and smashes the gender barrier? Shows up on the scene and, and is speaking to this woman. Why? Because the message of Jesus is not women are lesser than men. Can I get an amen today? I think the church needs to wake up and understand that. Let's keep going. I'm coming back to this. What a disservice we can do to the next generation if the message of the church is you don't have equal opportunity. Isn't it funny how the enemy hijacks a a sermon or a, a message of God? 
everybody's running around talking about equal opportunity in culture like it means this over here, jobs. You guys are quiet in here today. That's fine. I'll take the heat. I'm used to it. We say, oh, equal opportunity, equal opportunity, equal opportunity. Jesus shows up, smashes through the gender barrier because he wants to speak to the heart of a woman. Say, you can do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually go one step further. You know, you know, you guys, okay, you got anything in the crock pot? Because I might go a while today. <laughs> I didn't do this in first service. It's funny, people say, oh, because our first services are kind of full. Our second services are like, Pah. and people are like, people are like, oh, how do we balance out those services? And I feel like Facebook Live is like an instigator to me. I kind of like getting in trouble. I don't like it when people tell me what to do and not to do, what to say and not to say. My mom's back there being like, I had 20 years of that. (laughs) So when you turn that thing on, it just makes me like, so now now all of you bad people, you instigators who like that, you're showing up to second service because you know it's more likely that I'm going to. But let me give you two more minutes off the subject, not in my notes, and then you guys can send me hate mail later, but I'm going to say it anyway. Because remember, I'm trying to get fired, right? They were like, just like, you know, be careful. You're like going to get in trouble. And it's like, I know I'm trying to get fired. I'm trying to, you know, move to Florida and work at Disney. And just like you wouldn't like working at Disney. I'm like, I don't know. People walk around in masks, costumes, pretend to be something they're not, and then go home. I think I'm perfectly qualified to deal with people like AC. They come in to the Magic Kingdom. They're, they're, this is just literally being like, stop. They like to ride the roller coasters, sing the songs. Oh, I feel good about myself. Go back to the way they used to. Anyway, I'm talking about first service. So Jesus, the scripture we see is if you're a young Jewish boy, I can't believe I'm going here. I'm really feeling like there's a young person in here, a female, who needs to hear this. And I didn't plan on saying any of this, really. But I'm going to take the time on this because I believe there's destiny in this room today, and I'm going to go with it. But uh, yeah. Might need to take my jacket off. I'm getting hot up here. <laughs> but hear me, young woman. Jesus shows up and smashes the gender thing. And here's why I'm doubling down on that. You see, when Jesus was, if you're a young Jewish person and, and uh, you, were, you were wanting to be a rabbi, a follower of a rabbi, you wanted to go into the ministry, there would be all of these different things. I can't get into it right now, but there would be all of these different things that you would have to do. And it would be like how you would have little league football, high school football. And if you kept, if you were good enough and good enough and good enough, you kept making it to the bigger leagues. When you made it to the league, so all-star, pro bowl, hall of fame, once you made it all the way to the top, if you were the best of the best, the good of the good, you would find a rabbi who you wanted to, the scripture says, take upon their yoke, which how I many know Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It was a whole nother thing, but you would go sit at the feet of the rabbi. And so you remember the story where Martha's like all busy in the kitchen and then one of them comes out and sits at the feet of Jesus, which was a huge statement saying, hey, I want to follow you. I want to do what you're doing. I want to take on this mantle of ministry. I mean, track on what I'm saying. And what does Jesus say back to her? 
not for women. And what does Jesus say? You've chosen a good thing. So Jesus is always blowing up this message of the men of the church, the women of the... And that's fine. Send your emails to me, Josh Reese, R-E-E-S-E, wink, <laughs> at verticalstory.com. I'll be sure to get to those. So then the Samaritan, so he, the, he blows through the gender barrier. The second thing he does is he blows through the racial barrier. He shouldn't have been talking to a Samaritan woman. As a Jew, he should not have been in conversation with a Samaritan person. And so again, all the townspeople, everybody's seeing this, and he's saying what? He's saying, guess what? There is no divide among people. He said, I have no problem showing up on the scene and being a part of your story. Red, yellow, black, and white. How many are with me? Jesus is saying, like, we're, we're in this thing together. And so he begins to have this conversation with her, and I'm going to get back on track here. And uh, he's beginning to have this conversation, and he's talking about her husband. And she goes, oh, hey, um, about that. And he says, no, I know. You actually don't have one husband. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're with, shacking up with right now, is not one of your husbands. And she says, uh, I perceive that you're a prophet. <laughs> <laughs> and so she leaves him to go into town. Now, just know into town was like just around the corner. She went into Main Street, and she began to tell everybody, I think I found God. And this is sort of the beginning of my message here. She says, I think I found God. I, I found the Messiah. And so she's telling all the townspeople, you got to come, you got to come, you got to come hear this. There's this man of God. And so we'll pick it up in John chapter 4, verse 31. It says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, because the disciples went away, they had come back, worried about food. They said, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? So these guys, in this big spiritual moment, he's blowing through the racial barriers, the the, the, the gender barriers, he set this whole scene. They're running in. She's running into town to get people. And there's this whole ministry moment unfolding. And they come back like Jeff Foxworthy. Gee, yeah. <laughs> you want to? He's like, dude, I got food that you don't even know about. Like, there's this whole moment. And so they're like, maybe he ate already. I don't know what he's doing. And then he says, my food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Man, I'm so grateful that the last few weeks we've been talking about finishing his work, keeping our hands to the plow, no matter what it looks like. We got work, and we got work here to finish. Can I get an amen today? He says, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? This saying is just a cop-out. It's, it's just a pass the buck. They would have said, oh, we got four months till harvest. It's our way of saying, can't we do it later? Let's just do it later. We'll get to it later. It's our way of saying when the virus is over. It's their way of saying, oh, when things slow down, when things open back up. He's saying, don't live like that. You can't live like that. He's saying, we got work to do now and we got work to finish now. He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and a harvest a crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together, thus saying... One sows and the other one reaps is true. He says this, with all of this stuff going on, open your eyes. There's a harvest. The same message is for us today. Friends, we can't say four months till harvest when Corona's over, when they open things back up. No, right now. Can I get an amen? amen. 
Open your eyes. He's saying, can't you see 2020 is made for the harvest? Can't you see this is a moment where you can be the church and be the light and make a difference and stand up to the enemy? He says, open your eyes. could say he said it like this. If you saw the world the way I do, Jesus is saying, if you saw the world the way I do, he's saying, open your eyes. The message is the same to us. Friends, we got to open our eyes to what's going on. We have got to open our eyes to the spiritual climate of the world that we live in. If you saw it the way Jesus saw it, you would not spend as much time talking about the things you talk about. Open your eyes. Can't you see what, what's going on here? Can't you see the town is coming? Can't you see the harvest is right? Open your eyes. And we're walking around. Are the restaurants open? Are they open or not open? What are they doing? <laughs> mask, no mask. Vaccine, no vaccine. It's all we talk, and God's like going, open your eyes. Can't you see what's going on behind all this? When's the last time you walked across your driveway and talked to your neighbor about their life? Bringing out the trash. Oh, vaccine, oh, mask, oh. Are they open or are they not open? What's she going to say? <laughs> what about their soul? I don't go over to him and be like, hey, neighbor, how's your soul? <laughs> are you washed in the blood? <laughs> But open your eyes. There is a harvest. The town is coming to us. And God is saying, can't you see? It's not time for us to put it off. It's not time for us to close our churches. It's not time for us to, are you with me? It's time for us to be a part of the harvest. He says, lift up your eyes. One translation says, open your eyes. Another one says, lift up your eyes. Those of you that have kids, as I mentioned, and they have their technology, which we have a love-hate with the technology. We love the technology when we're like, Get your technology and get out of here. But then we hate the technology when we need their attention, right? And so kids, they got their Nintendo Switch, and they're, or they're on their iPads or whatever, and, they're, and you're like trying to get their attention. You eventually have to come over to them and say, lift up your eye. Look at me. Lift up your eyes. Stop paying attention to the distraction. I believe God is saying the same thing to you right now. He's getting up in our face in this pandemic and all of this stuff, and he's saying, hey, hey, hey. Lift up your eyes. Look at me. There's great harvest. There's great things you can make a difference in. Uh, I love this saying. It says, uh, if God answered all of your prayers, would it change the world or just your world? If God answered all of your prayers tomorrow, would it change just your world or all the world? Are you just praying for yourself? Just looking down, head down, praying. My kids, my job, my stuff, my things, my life. Me, 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 looking down. Or have you opened up your eyes and looked that the town is coming? If God answered all your prayers, would it change your life or would it change the whole world? That's why I'm grateful for the Legacy Miracle Offering. Because the Legacy Miracle Offering gets our attention and it gets us to open up our eyes and lift up our head and say, hey, you know what? There's a lot more to this world than just my stuff. I believe in putting away for the kids' college and I believe in saving and margin and stewardship and all that kind of stuff. But it's also God's call for us to be sacrificial, generous people who lift up their head and say, what can I do for others? Can I get an amen today? Um, I was thinking about this. Uh, God's heart is very much for what is lost. God is very much for what is lost. And I don't mean lost in the sense of a death, but if you've ever lost your kids, like lost your kids, like in a store, like in a thing, lost your kids. Uh, as I mentioned before, I think you all do it on a Sunday. You come here and you lose your kids here while you go to breakfast. But uh, if you've ever lost your kids, been in a situation where you've lost your kids, all of a sudden your priority becomes very crystal clear focused, doesn't it? 
all of a sudden, the thing that really matters becomes very important, and all of the other things don't matter so much. Uh, I've never lost any of our kids, but my youngest daughter, her name is Callie, she's two, and um, I'm telling you, that, that little girl is a party. She's all party. Some of you know her. Uh, she doesn't actually have blood in her veins. God did a miracle when he put her together. Uh, she runs on ecstasy. It's just in her body. And, um, you know, we had these other kids, two other kids, and I'm telling you, like, they, they didn't do anything wrong. They didn't. And I come home, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't even, how did you even open a paint can? How did you get that open? I can't open that. You know, like, she just, she's very inventive and very creative in her naughtiness. And so, and, and so she's such a party. And so this summer, uh, we were camping out at our camper. We, when we're not away camping, uh, our camper stays at my in-law's house where we have our dirt bike track, and they got a pond and all this property for us to play on. And so we keep our camper there, uh, but it's set up in a way that when we go visit, uh, we can hang out in the camper and have our things. And so uh, we have Wi-Fi out there, and so we're able to monitor the camper on our phones. And so we'll put the baby to sleep. She still needs to take a nap at two, and so we'll put her to bed, and then we'll watch her on the, on the phones. And, uh, and it's got air conditioning and everything like that. And so she's having a great nap, and we're hanging out. And so this summer, uh, we had noticed that she woke up. And so we jump in, on the golf cart and come back up to the camper. And so on the way there, though, she had gotten out of the bed. And so we saw on the camper, she got up like, oh, no, she's up. You know? And if you've ever seen Lilo and Stitch... She's stitch, okay? It's like, rah, rah, rah. so like, oh, oh no, she's awake. Like, and no one's in there. Like, oh no. And, uh, and so we run up there as fast as we can. Well, in that amount of time that we got up there, she had done the lock on the camper door. And so she wasn't lost, but she was out of our control. And she's a Tasmanian devil. And, uh, and so we're like, oh no, oh no. And so she's locked in the camper. And so we're trying to do everything. Like, we're yelling through the door. We're like, Callie, unlock the door. She's two. Like, she doesn't know any door. Like, the red one. She doesn't know her colors. You know, like, the red latch. You know, like, what are you doing? And so we're trying to yell at her, and we can't get it. And we're growing more frustrating. Well, a bunch of the family was out there. And so, like, just a sister and her brother and all the kids. And so now you have, like, a crowd around the camper. And I'm trying to save that which is lost. And my focus is just like getting her out of this camper. And now I have all these people around me. And how many know when you're trying to do it, you like the last thing you need is like a, a crowd, right? And so you're like, oh my gosh, and I'm trying to get in this camper. I'm trying to save that which is lost. And my son, who's, who's uh, four, five at the time, whatever, and, uh, and he's standing next to me. And, and I'm, I'm like, Kelly, you know, we're trying to get in. We're trying to find the ways. And we have a little outdoor refrigerator. That's a part of the camper that we keep, like, their juice and their fruit snacks in. So I'm trying to save that which is lost. And all I care about is the one thing I'm focusing on. And my eyes are opened up to this one thing. And he's over here, Dan, Dan, can I get a fruit snack? <laughs> no, dude, I'm trying to get the baby. Like, I said, uh, a couple of minutes, Dan, Dan, are we going to go swim again? <laughs> Can I get a juice? I'm like, oh my gosh. You know what I wanted to do to that kid, right? <laughs> and then I wonder, in the same scenario, if that's how God hears our prayers. Four billion people lost on this planet. And all our prayer lists sound like, Dan, can I get some root snacks? Can I get a raise this year? Are you understand what I'm saying? It's like, open your eyes. Quit saying we're going to do it later. We're going to care about it later. No, the harvest is here now. The townspeople are coming now. Why are you talking about lunch? Are the restaurants going to open? Come on. 
Open your eyes, lift up your head. Can I get an amen today? Matthew chapter 16, verse 3 says, You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Jesus gives this rebuke of like, open your eyes. You can predict the weather. You can say when it's going to rain, when it's going to snow, when it's going to do the thing, but you can't open your eyes and tell that you're living in the days where you get to be the light and the salt of the earth. Are you with me today? Come on, this, how do we do it? We do it through miracle offerings. We do it through generosity. We do it through Saturday morning prayer. God loves you very much. I want you to hear that. God does love you very much. But I will say this, God really loves lost things. For God so loved the world he gave. He gave. For God's all of the world, he gave. Luke 15 is a story where God talks about three different ways how God's heart goes toward the lost thing. You're found. He cares about you. You say, if you're saved, you came into the knowledge of God, you're found. He, he loves that. But his eye goes toward the lost and our heart should be for the lost. What can we do? What can we give? How can we sacrifice to help that which is lost? I mean, you know when you're looking for something that's lost, you don't pay attention to that what's found. Oh, where's my wallet? Oh my gosh, my wallet. I'm stressing out. Oh my gosh, where did I leave it? But while you're looking for your wallet, you don't go around and give thanks for your coat and your keys. No, you're focused on the thing that is lost. And I believe that should be our heart too. We as a church exist for the lost. For God so loved the world, he gave. Scripture says this, that, or I believe this about the local church. We are the hope of the world. It's not going to come through education. It's not going to come through government. It's not going to come through that. What this world needs is going to be found in the hope, which is the body of Christ. It's us. It's us being our part. You say, I don't know, Pastor, if I believe that. Ephesians 3.10 says, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. This world is going to come to know the manifold wisdom of God through what? Us, the church. It's through us opening our eyes and being aware of what God wants to do. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We therefore are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Us partnering with Love for a Child Camp, us partnering with what we're doing in our community, is us partnering with a God as ambassadors to reconcile people to God. It's a big deal. You say, oh, that's cute. Our church is doing that thing. No, no, no. It's part of us being ambassadors and being who God called us to be as the body of Christ. I'll close with this. We have this saying that says, uh, and everybody knows this. We always say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You want to influence people. You want to make a difference in people's life. It's, it's this. It's, hey, here's how much I care about you. Here's how much my heart is for you. People don't want a speech from us. That's why standing on a box and shouting scriptures at people in public has never done anything. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I wrote it down like this today. We have to connect before we can ever correct. That's why Jesus went around saying, hey, Zacchaeus, come down from there. Let's go to lunch. Then they had a conversation. His life was changed. He didn't start shouting, Zacchaeus, you need to rah. We have to connect before we can ever correct, before we can ever help heal and change and disciple, we got to find ways to connect. So you might sit here and say like, well, why are we raising all this money for a camp? The kids are going to do slip and slides and they're going to play games. And then after a week, it's all going to be over. No way. That's just the beginning. We connect and then God allows us to be in their lives in a way that we care. And so they pay attention to how much we care. And then God will use us to bring about the correction and the guidance that these lives need. Can I get an amen today? My concern, I'm almost done. I know I'm going late which my brother is going to be proud of. 
brother watching this later. Actually, he's going to be mad at me about a couple things, but uh, my brother who's an idiot, you know him, right? I've talked about him. He watches my sermons every week. He's only an idiot. You guys think that's rude that I say that. I didn't call him a stupid dummy idiot. He's only like category one. Someday you'll get to hear from him, but um, that's after the rapture because he'll still be here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a joke. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I kid. I kidding. Um, but so each week he texts me during my sermons and he, gets, he says, oh, that was good. That was not good. And then he always throws the whole, you guys know the guy, oh, I'm rambling. You know the guy who goes like, Psh. Ed Bassmaster, is that his name? And he does, Psh. So every time he's done with my sermon, he sends me a gif that goes, Psh, because I didn't preach for over an hour. So you didn't preach long enough. Psh. Like he, he's one of those guys that wants to, so today I might've done it, bro. So you owe me lunch. But anyway, my concern, I really want you to hear this. My concern in the time that we're living in is the enemy always has a, a great agenda, a great plan. And we don't like to talk about denom- demonic agendas and all this stuff, but they're just real. There's just no denying that there's evil forces trying to do things. And so when God says a three-chord strand is not easily broken, it talks about the commanded blessing that comes upon unity. So when your country is named the United States of America, how many know the demonic agenda that's going to be released against the United States of America is going to be to divide the states of America? How many times this week have you seen a map that literally shows all the divisions? Look at the map again. Look at the map again. Divide, 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 divide. And so I believe the agenda is to try to divide us, divide us, divide us, divide us, to the point that this, my concern would be that we've come to accept this idea in philosophy of you leave me alone and I'll leave you alone and let's just go our separate ways. How many of you have actually like either said that or thought that or spoke that to somebody else? They can do their thing and I'm going to do my own thing and I don't care anymore. Now I'm going to give you a confession. Uh, I have really come to be good friends with the hide button on Facebook. You're getting a hide. You're getting a hide. You're getting a hide because I do think that there should be boundaries in your life. I do think that there's just some things that you see and consume and and people kind of interacting with you in a way that's not good for you. So boundaries are okay. But I'm just saying the enemy wins if we're okay being settled saying them and us, us and them, and we're accepting the division. God calls us into unity. Are you with me? And And so what I'm trying to say is I think we need to be a people who just don't put our head down and say, you do you, I'm doing me, I'm going to pay attention. God's saying, lift up your eyes. Take a look around. The town is coming. Quit talking about lunch. Did you eat yet? The town is coming. And we have a great opportunity here to make a difference. Thought it, I wrote it down like this. Lunch was good for the disciples. Lunch was not good for the town. Lunch was good for the disciples, but it wasn't good for the town. You have the opportunity to do things this year that are good for you, but not good for the town, not good for others. That thousand bucks you may have that you could give to the legacy offering could be good for you, but it could be better for the town. That thousand dollars, that five hundred dollars, that one hundred dollars, whatever it is that God stirs in your heart, yeah, it could be really good for you and it could be good for your family, but what could it be for the kids, the love for a child, the town of love for a child? What could it be? So God says, open your eyes. we got to be sacrificial. God doesn't call us to comfort. He's called the comforter. 
The mission is, oh, I would need to plan everything and program everything and keep everything in its place. No, God says, in times of uncertainty and stretch, I will comfort you. Any generation unwilling to sacrifice reduces the inheritance of the next generation. I'm not going to hold back because I don't want a cost behind me. Tomorrow is promised to no man. If we don't plant today, we can't harvest tomorrow. William James says the great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. What kind of seeds can we put in the ground generationally that will make a difference? Let's open our eyes and look at how we can invest in the town. I love this thought. We say it every time. Without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. We need to be the here we are, Lord, send us. Yes, I'll sow a seed. Yes, I'll give a gift. Yes, I'll bring an offering. Why? Because God wants to use us to move his kingdom. And so we say this every single year when it comes to the Legacy Miracle Offering, I absolutely do not want you to give because I asked you to. I do not want you to give to the miracle offering because your church is doing it. Well, our church is doing this thing, so we should give to it. I don't want you to give to the miracle offering because, well, pastor thinks we should give to it, and so we should probably do it. I only want you to give to the miracle offering if God tells you to give to it. It's the only way. Hear God, what God tells you to do, and then do that. Many people have said, oh, you know, we kind of thought in our mind we were going to do this, and then we prayed, and God told us to do this, and then they gave it, and then just the miracles that followed were absolutely incredible. So we read this scripture every time we take a miracle offering, and it's this. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You pray and talk to God. You might not hear an audible voice, but you'll, you'll get a nudge. You'll get a direction. And then when you get that direction, you get to give it cheerfully. But the verse before that says this in verse 6, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I believe it's your heart for this camp that they reap generously, that they see generous reward, and it comes by us sowing generously. Well, Pastor, you understand pandemic. I don't know what's going to happen in 20 and 21. Hey, if you want to put your faith, hope, and trust in the economy, go ahead. But I'm going to make a covenant with God and my resources. And he promises that when I sow generously, I'm going to reap generously. That's my plan for 2021. Can I get an Amen. So a couple ways you can do this over the next 11 days. The reason I say 11 days is because we really like to kind of make sure this all lands in your charitable donations for this year. So when you get your paperwork, it's all in this year. Uh, but for the next 11 days, you can give on your way out. If you take an envelope, you can write legacy on there and give it. But I encourage you first to go home and pray and consider and see what God would have you do. Um, so you can mail it to the church. Just make sure you mark legacy. Even online, we got drop-down menus. You click legacy and put it on there. But for the next 11 days, just pray and ask God what he would have you do. And if he gives you a green light and tells you what to give, give it. If he doesn't tell you anything, that's okay. There's no judgment. There's no like list going to be made in the church. I'm just telling you, go with like what the scripture says. Decide in your heart what God has told you to give and then give cheerfully. So over the next 11 days. Now next week, Love for a Child, as I mentioned, will be here. And uh, can't wait for you to kind of hear their heart and find out more uh, about how God has been using them. So pray. And then I can't wait to tell you the incredible, incredible results. And um, it's a part of our story now, our vertical story, Love for a Child. I know many of you are going to be a part of the camps and in all different ways. And um, get in on the ground floor. You get to be one of those OGs, the original gangsters. Like, yeah, I was there the first year. I was a part of that legacy offering where we, and then we took over Disney. Can I get an amen? All right, let me pray for you, and then we'll release you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful. Lord, we are so grateful that you're moving among us, that you're a part of 
this place. God, we aren't doing anything by our own intellect, but God, we're being led by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful for the way that you ministered this morning. God, we ask that you increase those seeds that were planted. Lord, grow them, harvest them, bring them into good fruit. Lord, I pray that uh, as we all seek you and what you would have us do in this miracle offering, God, we pray that you, you speak to us. Lord, I thank you. You're sending provisions even now for people to be able to sow. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.